1: Okay, we're live. One, two,
0: three,
2: four. What's up, everybody? Uh, Welcome to West by Pod, a podcast about West Virginia sports, Big 12 Conference, and drinking that sweet preseason Kool-Aid. I'm Joel Bracken you can find me on Twitter at wV Stats Guy, and I'm joined by Jordan pinto on Twitter he's at game day shorts Jordan it's episode one of West by pod how are you feeling so I'm feeling really
1: good man I mean you know football season never sleeps right but it feels like we're kicking this off we're doing our we're doing our research our deep dives it feels like it's really uh it's really uh getting started here man you know the recruiting the recruiting uh, craze crazy stretches over for the summer yeah um, nothing but workouts fall camp and i think i heard on another podcast the big game's 10 weeks away man it's kind of crazy to think about so i'm gassed
2: yeah no it is we're, we're under 10 weeks to the to the brawl um you know the off season can have its have its waves of slow news cycles but i think we're ramping up now you know things are getting real are gonna have some preseason awards list out soon and you know all kinds of stuff it's we're really getting close um so yeah, just a little bit about this podcast. So during the football season, um, you can expect weekly releases of West by pod. Uh, we'll be going over the big takeaways from the week prior, um, but mainly going to be getting you prepared for West Virginia's next game with a heavy dose of optimism, analytics, betting numbers, um, and just general narrative discussion. Um, so in the off season, not sure our, our exact schedule, but we will be doing weekly releases uh, during the football season. Yep. So we're going to go ahead and get started with our first segment here. So this is called Run the Hill. And basically what this is, is every week uh, one of us is going to compile some questions to ask the other just about the, uh, the sort of recent news in uh, West Virginia football. What's going on? So this week I'm asking Jordan to run the hill. So Jordan, my first uh, topic for you is about the, uh, the new jerseys we have for the Pit game um we had a, an awesome little teaser video come out and uh, i think a lot of hype people really liked that video uh, and it got spread all over uh social media so how would you compare uh these new jerseys to uh alternate jerseys wvu has debuted in the past
1: uh man they're they're right up there with some of my favorites um you know i have some some more traditionalist uh, buddies who um you know, who, who, who liked parts of the Jersey, but maybe didn't like the whole fit together. But I actually, I think it's a really clean look, man. Um, I love how, uh, I love the outlines on the numbers. That's something that, that our jerseys don't always have, uh, which is cool. Um, the West Virginia above the numbers on the front of the Jersey, I think it, it is cool. You know, speaks to, to the, to the, uh, to the, togetherness that, that Neil Brown's trying to go for with the team. Um, and then I think, you know, my, my, my favorite thing, uh, is, is in the uh, blue trim that the, you know, there's actually the, the roads, you know, the state roads, the country roads are, are, are on the Jersey themselves. So, you know, very, very clean thematic look. Um, you know, I'm always partial to, uh, to the blue pants. I I know that uh, the gold pants are, um, are the traditional look, but, but I love white on blue. Um, so, so, you know, it, it, it suits my eye nicely. And then the helmets, I think the whole thing comes together really nicely
2: yeah the helmets are so good the, yeah. the stripes down the middle um the west virginia outline on the side i i love the helmets those are my favorite part um yeah. so, so would you take these kind of whites versus the stormtrooper whites which one are you taking um yeah yeah
1: i think so um like you said i i, I like the helmets better um the 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 plain white helmets with just the the blue flying wv are clean but man i'm, I'm partial to the state outline on the helmet um and yeah, no, I, I, I love the helmets. Um, as far as you know, where they where they would rank historically, man, I'm I'm always going to be partial to the to the grays uh, that we wore during the Tavon Austin era. But I think that that's probably just because we were so nice during the Tavon Austin era. <laughs> you know, we we look good wearing those jerseys because the team was good, right? But uh, but uh, no, it's a it, it's a really clean look, man. I, I'm I love white jerseys. I love blue pants. So yeah, no, I'm. I mean, you know, ten out of ten for me. And then the uh, like you said, the promo video. I don't know who our social media guy is. I know we've we've kind of cycled through a couple of them during the Neil Brown era, but whoever whoever's running that stuff and putting those videos together is is outstanding.
2: I know. Those videos are awesome. Like we're we're still ten weeks away from football, but like I'm ready to run through a brick wall. Like that was and, and, and it's consistent. Like all the cool recruiting stuff they've done over the off season. Um, like the the kind of themed photo shoots they do. Um, yeah, I think the media team is is doing an awesome job right now. Yeah, man. All right. So next next topic here. So um, I've seen some Vegas lines for West Virginia win total have moved. I think a lot of original lines were six and a half. Uh, I've seen some get dropped all the way down to five and a half now. Um, So just curious, are you seeing any value in the number? Um, So, you know, just a reminder, 12 games doesn't count bowls or, you know, if there's a conference championship game. Um, Eleven of the 12 are power five teams and uh, six of those 11 are on the road. So could, could you make an argument on either side of that number?
1: So I, I was trying to think about, so first of all, yes, I see value at five and a half. I think I got, so I, I have a little uh, investment uh, on on the over at five and a half. Um, I think I got in on FanDuel at minus 135. Um, so, you know, you're paying a little bit of money, but I also think that kind of speaks to the fact of, you know, obviously if, if you're paying a little bit of extra extra cash to, to get back to even there, um, you know, Vegas thinks it's likely that we're going to go over. I also think that it's likely, um, you know, just when you look at, Uh, we we won six last year, right. Playing 11 P five teams, um, with possibly, you know, we don't have to, we don't have to hash it out now. Right. But, but a guy who's in the court in in the conversation for, for worst quarterback that we've had probably this century, Mm -hmm. um, you know? And so, yeah, I think that with the upgrade that, that JT, that JT Daniels provides on paper, um, I don't see how we don't get to to at least six and six again this year. Uh, And I was kind of thinking, you know, would I, I probably would have, I probably would have gone at six and a half as well. And I was trying to think of, you know, am I a homer for that? Or or do I actually think we're going to, you know, win seven games? And I I do, I think we're, I think seven is the number for us this year. So, so yeah, definitely see value in five and a half for sure.
2: Yeah, you know, you'd like to think the offense is going to improve with some of the, you know, new offensive coordinator, I think more talent at the quarterback position. I think the top of the Big 12 is not as high as it was last year. Like you think, okay, like, you know, there's not really any unwinnable game on the schedule. Um, so yeah, to win five of the 11 power five games gets you to six, um, yeah so i i don't know i i'm kind of you know it's been curious to see but i understand with returning production you know west virginia being one of the lowest in the country um yeah i can i can understand but um all right so so moving on to the the last topic here so this is just kind of um just sort of summarizing the the recent recruiting success so neil brown fired off the uh the the quadruple let's go on twitter times four week. baby yeah it's just awesome so if you didn't know Neil Brown always fires off a let's go when we sign a recruit, we get a commitment. So, um, he fired off a quad, got four in one day. Um, we got Ben Cutter, Noah Braham, Tori Johnson Jr. And Corey McIntyre Jr. First of all, Ben Cutter, an amazing linebacker name. Um, so what do you, what do you even think about Neil Brown on the recruiting trail? Uh,
1: I mean the same, the same thing I've been thinking really since, since, uh, since we hired him. Right. I mean, you know, we hired the guy in January signing day is, is a month away. Um, not only does he keep the entire class together that Dana had, uh, you know, he adds to it. Right. And so right away, clearly this guy, um, you know, he, he's selling something that recruits are buying. Right. And and we've seen that consecutively year over year where he has, I think, what three of the four highest classes in, in school history. And we haven't even been good right while he's been here. Um, And so, you know, this year you see what's coming in. I think we're, we're, um, if you look at, uh, where we are in the country, I think we're up to 14th nationally right now, which, which isn't going to stick because, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of higher profile teams that, that are going to fill their classes out. Um, but just in terms of the, the, the level of average or the average level of the player that we're signing, um, you know, all that stuff is as high as it's ever been. Um, the thing that I really loved about uh, this weekend, obviously, is so no- Noah Bram, Tori Johnson, Corey McIntyre, three legacies, um, three legacies. And, and you love to see that. Obviously, we have the Stills bros, a um, couple more legacies coming down the line, class of 25, class of 26. Uh, so so love to, love to see that we're, we're putting an emphasis on that kind of stuff, especially, you know, it, and when you look at these guys, um, you know, Noah Bram's a local kid, right? Uh, fr- from what I've heard. This isn't, you know, it's not a pity offer. None of these are, none of these are, Hey, we're giving you a scholarship because of who your dad was like, these are all solid players. And so I love that we're, um, you know, putting the emphasis on that in the recruiting trail. And then you look at Ben Cutter, a guy who not super high profile, but, uh, I think I read hundred, 158 tackles in 12 games, um, put up a four, five, eight 40. So it's not like, you know, he's just you know, a guy playing against bad competition in, in North Carolina or anything, you know, he, he seems like uh, a, a legitimate linebacker uh, presence out there. The guy's always around the ball. The guy's a good athlete. So, yeah, I mean, great, great weekend, great way, I guess, not to close June, but really to to close kind of the crazy uh, camp, camp schedule uh, to get to get all four of these guys uh, locked up. I think we're really good shape. Class of 23, man.
2: Yeah, so, so class of 23 right now sitting 15th, um, 15th on two, yeah. tw- 247. That was just as of today. Um, so we got one four-star, 13 three-stars. That four-star, Rodney Gallagher, um, at least according to 247, he's the uh, eighth-highest rated recruit WVU's ever landed. So a um, receiver out of Uniontown, PA. Really exciting stuff there. I mean, Neil Brown's done everything right except win, right? It's kind of, seems like a monster on the recruiting trail. I think he gets the culture, you know, now let's cash it in. Like let's, you know, build off of this. Cause if if you can sell it when we're not even winning, it's, it's pretty impressive.
1: That's, that's the, uh, that's the pipe dream, man. That's what I I tell all my buddies, uh, you know, a plus off the field, you know, maybe like a C plus on the field so far. So hopefully we can, we can bump that up. Uh, because yeah, man, if we, if we ever start winning, sheesh, like the guys that we're getting on campus and. Yeah, like I said, clearly the guys are buying what he's selling. So if he can start selling some wins along with with all that other stuff, then I think we could be in a really good spot.
2: Agreed. All right, cool. Well, we're going to move on to um, this next segment here. So what we're basically going to be doing is dividing the Big 12 into tiers. Um, and this is just kind of looking at the, the season. Um, you know, we were talking before this, but – the Big 12 has really kind of got refreshed this year, um, especially at the quarterback position. So, we're going to go through and just sort of rank the teams into some tiers. This isn't going to be a super in depth talk about each team. Um, we'll probably do that in some later episodes, but just sort of sorting the teams out, what to expect. Um, so, starting from the bottom tier, uh, named this tier uh, still Kansas, but Frisky. So, Kansas sits alone in this tier. And, you know, I don't think that's a big surprise, but. Um, I think you could sell me on some some Kansas things this year like I would not be surprised to see them win two conference games maybe three Jalen Daniels um, you know he sort of worked out towards the end of the last season got some good snaps uh, knocked off the largest brand in uh, college football in Texas Um, so you know there's some optimism to be sold there in Kansas uh, they get a lot back on the offensive line. Jalen Daniels is a really good athlete. and can, you know, sort of add some versatility to the team. Um, and also you get the seventh highest returning production in the country it is the highest in the big 12. So I think Kansas was actually building something there at the end of the season. Um, Leopold, you know, I, I I think maybe if Kansas is going to get anything turning, um, it could be this year, but I think they still have to sit in there. Uh, their own tier just because it is Kansas. I think, you know, they've won like less than 10 games in the last 10 years. So, you know, nothing, nothing has been proven yet, but I think there are a couple of things you could sell me on Kansas. You have any, any thoughts on that, Jordan? Yeah, man. I, you know,
1: uh, like you said, we're going to get into the deep dives a little later, but I've already kind of started doing some of the research. Um, and yeah, they, they bring a ton back. The thing, the thing I like that they, that they did as well, uh, some, some good work in the transfer portal. Um, Brought in uh, Kai Thomas, who we saw in the bowl game, uh, the running back from from Minnesota, who had a really good year uh, last year at Minnesota. I'm not sure why he left. I, I know it was a crowded running back room. There's some injuries that that led to him getting playing time, um, but you know he's he's kind of a bigger guy. Uh, Devin Neal's a, uh, so so they should complement each other well. So you know look for that running game to be pretty solid, like you said, with with four out of five guys back uh, up front. Um, then on on defense they brought in uh, Lonnie Phelps uh, from from Miami Ohio who really good edge rusher they lost Kyron Johnson so so you know another plug and play kind of situation so really good roster management from them um, and, and like you said you know I, I think they they've closed the gap I, I, they're still clearly uh, at the bottom but they've closed the gap between themselves and and the the rest of the pack for sure
2: definitely and with the you know the ceiling of the Big Twelve may be coming down a little this year at least as our preseason looks um, you know. I think Kansas could legitimately could beat a handful of teams in the big 12 this year, um, Mm -hmm. you know, in a good day. So yeah, I think closing the gap, but still remain in their own tier uh, still Kansas, but frisky. So next tier up um, named, this one is just not expecting a ton, but I think one of these teams will surprise everybody. Not sure which one. Um, So in this tier, I have TCU, Iowa state and Texas tech. Um, So first on TCU, You know, last year I think the big problem was defense. I mean, they were horrendous for a Power Five team on defense, Um, ranking pretty much in the bottom ten in almost any advanced metric. Look at efficiency, explosive plays, negative drives. Everything was just terrible um, for the TCU team. They're bringing in Sonny Dykes from SMU. You look at SMU last year; defense was also in the 100s. So. I'm not sure that you're seeing a huge defensive change in TCU. That's probably the biggest concern. Um, you know, I don't I'm not sure I understand the co- quarterback conversation between Duggan and Chandler Morris. Um, I hear that, you know, Duggan might not be starting. Um, I thought he, you know, he was not the problem last year, I don't think. Uh, yeah. you know you lose Zach Evans. So I, I, TCU is plus 1200 to win the conference. I have him sitting in this second to lowest tier. Um, so the next team in the tiers, Iowa state, um, and you know, Iowa state had, and I guess you could comfortably say the best roster Iowa state has ever had last year and had a pretty disappointing season. Um, you know, was supposed to be competing for the big 12 title and look at a lot of advanced metrics. They weren't a bad team, but you know, you just, they just lost too many games that they probably shouldn't have lost. Um, so, you know, you lose Purdy, you lose Hall, um, and you lose, a handful of the top tacklers on defense so you know how much faith do you have in matt campbell at this point starting pretty much fresh like i said not expecting a ton maybe will surprise us and then the third team in this tier texas tech um you know we have joey mcguire it's going to be the new coach coming over from baylor i think he was really well liked um but what is he really inheriting you know we have i'm not sure the quarterback uh, decision has been made either you have Tyler, I think it's Tyler Schuff and Donovan Smith. Um, also, kind of similar to TCU last year, just really bad on defense. Um, also, I didn't know that Columbia transferred to Marshall until I was uh, looking at some <laughs> yeah. stuff. So, um, of those three teams, I'm not expecting a ton. Uh, but Jordan, which one do you think will surprise us? Is Is there any like upside you could sell me on one of these teams?
1: Uh, yeah. So, so you know, thinking about I. Th- <laughs> Like you said, Texas Tech, um, man, do, doing the doing the research, uh, they, they lost a ton. Um, you know, I don't want to cross them off. I know that they, I think they have the number one class in the country right now. Is that number one recruiting class, class of 23? Um, thought I read that somewhere. I know that they're, they're tearing it up on the recruiting trail for next year, uh, regardless of whether it's number one or not. So know they're doing some big things there. But man, when you look at at the at the roster, they you know lost lost their two best receivers, lost a couple of guys up front, lost a bunch of guys on defense. Um, I don't know. I it, it it feels like it's going to be a tall mountain to climb, right? You got a new quarterback uh, behind a new line with new pass catchers. I know they bring uh, Sir Roderick Thompson back, who has uh, quietly been really good for a couple of years. I've always really really liked him, probably because he's kind of shredded us um, the last two seasons. Uh, but I think I'm not expecting a ton from them. I don't think they're going to surprise us. Iowa state, um, the argument would be in favor of Matt Campbell's coaching ability. Um, and the thing that I like about Iowa state, man, you know, they got some new starters, like you said, Purdy, Hall, Kolar, Tariq Milton's gone, but the guys that they're filling in, uh, for those guys, um, they're going to be first year starters, but they're not first years on the team, you know, like Hunter Deckers, uh, is a uh, four-star class of 2019. So he's a guy who's been around the program, um, was a high-profile recruit, you know, obviously has some talent, 6'3", 225. I think he moves a little bit. So I think he, you know, they'll hope that he can just do a Brock Purdy impression, right? And then, um, God, the guy's name's escaping me right now because I don't have a in front of him. I want to say it's Jarrell, Jarrell Brock, four-star, class of 2019. Um, you know, so a big, big, thick-bodied running back uh, who I'm sure they'll hope can be like David Montgomery and, and uh, Brees Hall. Um, I don't know if the defense is going to be, you know, explosive enough. Um, they've had some really good playmakers there. And, and so there's some really big holes on the defensive side of the ball. Um, but if you're going to sell it uh, as them being a team who would surprise it, would, it would be Matt Campbell's coaching. And then, you know, they actually have some, some pretty good guys kind of waiting in the wings who are unproven, but but uh, definitely talented. Um, and then TCU Uh, you know, I think if, if they're going to surprise, it's just going to be because the offense scores a ton of points, man, you know, looking at that, the defense, uh, like you said, it was bad last year. I, I don't see how it's any better this year. They lost their two best defenders. Um, Mathis and, uh, and, uh, I can't remember the other guy right now, but, uh, but, you know, so the other, the other edge rusher, um. But yeah, I don't think the defense is gonna be any better. Like so if you're gonna make the argument there, it's just that Sonny Dykes is gonna come in and score thirty-five points a game and in some weeks that's gonna be enough and in some weeks it's not. So um, you know, I think if I had to put my money on on any, I'd say either TCU or Iowa State, and I'd probably lean more towards uh more towards Iowa State, I think, just because of, of the pedigree of Matt Campbell. And, you know, I, I think he knows the pieces that he needs to make his his stuff work and and I think they have some good pieces kind of ready to roll there.
2: Yeah, I think I would agree that I think Iowa State of that bunch would be the one um, that I would think would be most likely to to sort of overachieve. I think Campbell, you know, has instilled a pretty good culture at Iowa State, you know, a program that's kind of just been wandering for many, many years. And, you know, they kind of get it together. So it will be interesting to see, though, you know, he kind of had his whole class run through and now it's reset. And it's like, was yeah. it those guys or did you instill a thing here? Um, so I think that'll be an interesting team to watch, Iowa State, because, You know, like I said, last year was supposed to be the year by a lot of metrics. They were pretty good. They just didn't win the games. I mean, even, you know, against West Virginia, close game (laughs) by the numbers probably should have won it, but they didn't. So that's that's really what it comes down to. But they didn't. (laughs) All right. So now we're moving into the third tier um, and I I named this tier dangerous uh, if a few things go right. So in this tier, I have West Virginia and I have Kansas State. And I think these teams are actually kind of similar sort of as I was breaking this down. Both of them have transfer quarterbacks coming in um, who have played at the Power 5 level. West Virginia has JT Daniels. Kansas State has Adrian Martinez. Um, if you're not familiar, he was at Nebraska, sort of ranked in the middle of the Big Ten quarterbacks. Like he had respectable um, numbers. He's a dual threat, um, so he can he can run. So I guess first looking at West Virginia, you know, not a lot of returning production. You can make the argument that's a good or a bad thing. You know, I think most people, at least in this look in the preseason, would say we probably upgraded at the quarterback position. Quarterback position is the majority of the majority of the um, returning production. So, you know, we're losing that. We're losing Letty Brown, but I think we have some, some great backs filling in. Um, And, you know, I, I think the the D might be more of the question. I think you like the, the front first two levels. The secondary is probably a, a big question. I think similar with Kansas State, um, you probably like their first two levels, but the secondary loses a lot kind of in question. Um, so West Virginia, you know, if everything goes right, the defense gels The you know, don't look like a young secondary JT Daniels and the offense, you know, kind of flies high. Same thing for Kansas State. I think Adrian Martinez and Deuce Vaughn could be a ridiculous combination if utilized correctly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yep. I mean, Deuce Vaughn is insane. This guy's like five. Is he even five eight? I mean, he's so tiny. It's crazy it's, watching him play. You don't even yeah, see him matter. break the line <laughs> of scrimmage. Like, he just sneaks around. Um, but I, I think both of these teams have a pretty big upside. You know, I think it could go wrong for both of these teams as well. Yeah. But, yep. yeah, curious of your thoughts on those.
1: Yeah, man. No, you, I mean, you hit it on the head,
2: low, low floor,
1: high ceilings uh, on both of them. Um, and yeah, the, the defensive stuff is is actually pretty funny um, when you look at it, uh, just the number of guys who are back in kind of the front seven on both sides, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of good players back for, for both teams, <laughs> but just a ton of turnover uh, in the secondary. So, you know, like you said, that that can go one of two ways, you know um, they can, they can come together by week three and, and be really good or, you know, it could be, it could be a long season. Um, and yeah, you know, the, the Martinez do spawn thing, I think, <laughs> uh, you know, I still have nightmares about Colin Klein and, and some of the, some of the Kansas state quarterbacks, uh, you know, from, from the early, what, 20, 2010s, I guess is what we'd call that decade. Um, but this guy, you know, uh, Martinez and, and Vaughn, they're, they're just going to be a problem, right? Like, you know, it's going to be quarterback power. It's going to be quarterback, uh, you know, zone read QB keepers, QB sweeps,
2: um, I think, I think I of, saw in your notes that you had Martinez is like the perfect Kansas state quarterback. And he is uh, just like, just makes he's me exactly yeah. It's just of. like,
1: you see, you see, right. Like sometimes you see stuff and it's just like, God, God damn it. That makes so much sense. Like <laughs> he's, you know, he's just perfect fit for them. Um, the one thing he had a bunch of fumbles. Um, but you know, uh, if he can, if he can tighten that up, he's, you, you couldn't ask for a better quarterback for Kansas state. Um, and then obviously, yeah, nothing, nothing to add to what you said about us. Um, I, yeah. I uh, have high expectations, I guess is what I would say.
2: Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, we're drinking that, that preseason Kool-Aid. That's right. That's what the podcast is about. Yeah. And, you know, I think that, you know, if you want to further the argument for either of these teams, you know, could you you say the quarterbacks in the Big 12 are as bad as they've been in X years? Like, there's no Heisman frontrunner coming out of the Big 12. Like, no. if there's ever a year to have a in secondary, you know, yep. maybe this is the year you can survive it. So I think these yep. teams both have a shot at being really dangerous. Um, both of these teams might fall flat on their face as well. I think <laughs> you know, well, it, these are these are a little like I could see it, you know going either way. Um, so we've covered six teams so far. Now we're in the second highest tier, and I just named this one. Wouldn't be surprised if they end up in Arlington. Um, and in this tier, I have Baylor and Texas. Um, so Baylor, you know, last year was pretty tremendous. Aranda, in my opinion, should have won big 12 coach of the year did not. Um, but just, you know, an awesome year. They kind of dominated throughout and, you know, the big 12 championship game was awesome game against Oklahoma state. Um, so you are losing Bohannon and Blake Shapin stepping in. Um, but I think this is like the more talented turnover of, Matt Campbell, like great coach, probably instilled a great culture um, and obviously coming off an awesome year. Um, So I think, you know, you're keeping the O.C. Jeff Grimes, which is, I think, you know, kind of surprising. I think some people had him going places. Um, The defense was awesome last year. They were really explosive, ran the ball well. You know, they did lose a lot in terms of like returning production. Um, But a lot of those guys were skill guys. You do kind of have your like foundation on the, the offensive line um so you know i i think the way it seems like Aranda coaches this team would not surprise me to be really good um but i'm not ready to anoint them as a favorite yet um the other team in this tier is texas and you know i would i would say texas of these two i mean texas they're just ultra talented that you know the players if you're players looking at it. individual pieces texas is ridiculously talented um Bajan Robinson might be the most athletic dude in the country. Um, they're running back. Quinn Ewers is, he was the number one rated quarterback of his class um, and from Ohio state transferred to Texas. Um, and you know, the only thing that's keeping me out of saying Texas is a favorite is if you said Texas, one of these things like not been true where Texas was easily one of the three most talented teams in the conference yeah. in the last eight years and underperformed. So Uh, similar to, I guess, Kansas has to be in their own tier. I think Texas can't be a favorite because, you know, there's not really been that like proof of concept yet that, you know, they can turn this into wins. Um, Just, just a reminder, Texas did not make a bowl game last year Mm -hmm. in case you forgot. So, you know, once again, we're saying, Hey, like if they show up and they play and they win 10 games and they're in Arlington, like, yeah, I'm not overly surprised, but they have to do it eventually Uh, or at least consistently. And uh, that's why I keep them in this tier. What do you think about uh, Baylor and Texas, Jordan?
1: Yeah, man, I think um, so. So of the two, I'd be I'd be more surprised if Baylor uh, made it to Arlington. Um, You know, like you said, a ton of ton of offensive skill position turnover Uh, does it it probably won't matter that much just because their offensive line is going to be so good. Um, You know, I think they have the best the best tackle pairing in the league. I think they have uh, somebody who, who, you know, was Zach Frazier for us is, is going to be in the conversation for best center in the league. Um, and so, you know, I think that they'll, they'll be able to manage the new skill positions a little bit with the offensive line, but just, you know, uh, Dave Rand is an amazing coach, amazing defensive coach specifically, but man, they just, they lost so much on defense, right? Like, I mean, they, their entire secondary is in the NFL this year, like, like literally five dudes from their secondary in the NFL, Um, starting linebacker in the NFL, Um, you know, they'll they'll have some pieces back up front, but guys like, you know, Jalen Petrie, uh, Terrell Bernard, we're, we're just so good for them for, for I think the last three years for Petrie, the last two years for Bernard, Um, you know, give Aranda the benefit of the doubt. And I'm sure that they have some good dudes waiting in the wings there, but I don't know if you can just plug and play and replace guys like that. Um, so, you know, I think the, the argument against Baylor is, uh, defense maybe takes a, a full step back and offense might take like a half a step back. Um, you know, wouldn't be surprised. Uh, but I'd be, or sorry, I'd be, I'd be more surprised if they made it than Texas. You know, I mean, you hit the nail on the head with Texas. That, that's kind of been my big takeaway of, of, of looking at, at, uh, all these teams in depth is just like, holy shit, they they have so many good players, especially offensively. Um, defensively, you know, they're going to have some young guys who they'll probably look to, to contribute. Um, and yeah, the big question for, for, for them, I think is, is, can the defense take a step forward to the, you know, from, uh, what below average or average to above average or good. And if they can, then yeah, they're probably going to win 10 games. I mean, just, you know, if everything goes right, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they won 10 games, 11 games and, and made it to the big 12 championship game hate to say that i feel like i need to go go take a shower now but but like the roster is just they're just loaded
2: yeah and and they are every year i mean um i think texas plays alabama i don't know if it's the opening week or it's one of the first weeks and i've heard some interesting conversations um you know will quinn ewers who has not played a game in college will he even start those games um do you throw a card out there as a you know sacrifice and, and let Bama run that? Or is Ewers the real deal and ready to play? I mean, your first coll- collegiate game against Alabama might be a lot. Um, but, yeah, the talent's there. I mean, Texas, the talent's pretty much always there. Um, but, yeah. you know, will it, will it come together this year? Be Man, for, for me, uh, if, if I'm a Texas
1: fan, you know what you have with Hudson Card. Uh, Quinn Ewers has been practicing against Ohio State for for a year, so it's not like he hasn't seen good defenses. I would – if I was a Texas fan, I would be appalled – If they, if they didn't run when you were Alabama or not, you got to, especially with Arch, Arch Manning, uh, right. Like just committed this week. Um, you know, with him, with him being on campus, uh, the year after next, I mean, you gotta, gotta milk yours while you can, I guess.
2: Yeah. It's pretty, pretty wild that the number one recruit of his class, um, is getting followed by another number one recruit. I guess there's like a year in between, but, um, Yeah, you're the number one recruit in the entire country at the quarterback position, and and guess what? Your job. People are like, you're losing your job before you even got it. So yeah, (laughs) Yeah, is he
1: transferring?
2: I just feel so bad for Texas fans, man. Like it's it's so hard just getting the number one recruit every year. It's just like I don't know how you put up with that. Um,
1: I was I was looking uh, at their recruiting class, like just like what what notable? You know, we'll get into it with with the deep dives. What notable additions do they have? And they literally had like. you, you know like nine like nine, stars. like nine guys in this in the class of 22 that are better than anybody that we've had at wvu uh you know in the last decade just based on purely whatever their 24 7 rating is right but like mm-hmm. just like high four stars guys who are rated in the mid 90 you know in like 95 96 level four stars it's just like jesus yeah nice. and, it,
2: and that and they're like deep in those like you know the, yeah. the starter gets hurt oh, okay well it's just they just have another five star guy coming in in the d line or something like I remember that happened with us a few years ago like when they plugged in some guy never played but they're like, oh he's a five star he'll be fine like you know tough problems to have but you got to <laughs> win on the field you know that's that's kind of where yeah it five and
1: five and seven last year like you said
2: you know yeah so moving into the last tier this is the top tier um and I just labeled this the favorites so Oklahoma and Oklahoma State remain. Um, so first Oklahoma, you know, Venables coming from Clemson. He was there a long time, defensive minded, you know, Oklahoma, you know, same kind of similar deal with Texas, the talents there. It's going to be interesting. I'm, I'm just really interested in the Venables thing. You go from an Oklahoma has been ultra offense to a very defensive minded coach. Um, you know, you lose Gale, uh, Caleb Williams, you got Dylan Gabriel, um, who is like, a good quarterback he might be the worst quarterback Oklahoma's had in a long time because like all they have is Heisman candidates and winners mm-hmm. um, so you know a big change in the culture um, you lose some guys on defense the first one I think about is Benito because that man looked like three people stuck together he was so big and fast um, do you know the last time that Oklahoma I guess all this to say The last time that Oklahoma won less than eight games was 1999. So (laughs) you win eight games, you're at least in the conversation. You're at least going to be, you know, up at the top as a favorite in the conference. So I I don't, you know, I think Oklahoma had its normal turnover. They, you know, grew a bunch of four and five star guys on trees and are going to be just fine. Um, I like Venables. I think it's going to be interesting, but I am keeping Oklahoma as in my favorite tier a little bit because of historical reasons, but um, I think they're going to be just fine. Oklahoma state, you know, awesome year. I think it was really cool to see Gundy have such a defensive team, Um, you know, kind of out of his, you know, normal, you know, like running, like, you know, high flying scoring a million points. Um, I, I like Gundy a lot, similar to Oklahoma. Uh, Gundy took over in 05 and he has not had a losing season since his first season at Oklahoma state. Um, the guy knows how to run a program and last year was, you know, a great example of that. Spencer Sanders is the best quarterback returning in the big 12. And I don't even think that's even a close conversation. Um, so Oklahoma and Oklahoma state, I have them as my top two. Um, do you agree with that? Would you, uh, you have one in front of the other? Uh,
1: I don't know if I'd have one in front of the other. It's funny you mentioned the Oklahoma eight wins since uh, 1999 thing. Cause I was looking They're over under this year's eight and a half. And I was just like, man, that's, that feels low, right? Found like it. <laughs> I, I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't go back and look at the historical stuff, but I was like, that has to be the lowest preseason over under that they've had since at least uh, like 2017. Right. Since, since the Baker Mayfield uh, stuff started. Um, but you know, I think of the two, I, I think I like Oklahoma State a little bit more. Man, Oklahoma just lost so much. You know, you, you mentioned Caleb Williams, but there were three receivers that they lost as well. Um, and I know they bring some guys back, and, of course, they recruit amazingly. Um, but they it's a ton of playmaking to replace, right? Like, outside of just, like, having good, reliable receivers. Like, they lost dudes who will, you know, take a take a 10-yard pass and, and go for 70 and a touchdown, which, you know, I think as West Virginia fans we can – appreciate isn't isn't something that that everybody you know has that luxury um defensively you know they they lost Benito they also lost the other edge uh, Isaiah Thomas they lost Brian um, a ton of playmaking um at all three levels and again you know they recruit well so I'm sure there's guys there um and Venables is obviously an amazing uh, an amazing coach so uh, you think they'll figure it out, but um, I, you, you know they—they they have a lot of question marks. Like they have a lot of talent, but they have a lot of question marks. Um, Oklahoma State, um, slightly less question marks. I feel like you know. Um, I think the biggest one for me, like you said, they—they—they they, they have the best returning quarterback in the conference, which is definitely going to count for something. Um, they have their whole defensive front back, the whole defensive line, and and those guys just eight faces last year. Like it was ridiculous how good at Oklahoma state's defense was. And a lot of that was the front six. The big question mark for me with them um, is, is what kind of play do they get out of the linebackers? Because um, you know, Malcolm Rodriguez, Devin Harper, two NFL draft picks. I think both of those guys ran sub four five and, and the way that their defensive line played, they've just eat the blockers up. And then those guys would sprint sideline to sideline and make every single tackle. And so, that's the big question mark for me um, with them, but I do think they have some guys waiting in the wings, and so I think of the two, I think I like, I think I think Oklahoma State has less questions. I think I like Oklahoma State better.
2: Yeah. So, so just quick from uh, from I think this is Fanduel numbers. Oklahoma's plus two hundred to win the conference. Texas plus two fifty. Oklahoma State plus six hundred. Baylor plus six hundred. And then you have a pretty uh, big drop off from there. Uh, TCU plus twelve hundred, WVU plus two thousand, K State plus eighteen hundred, Texas Tech plus five thousand, Iowa State eighteen hundred, Kansas twenty five thousand. Um, <laughs> I think that so, one's safe. Yeah, I think yeah, that I, one's. I'm not. It is anything. worth
1: noting, man. Uh, I think all the top four. So you're you wouldn't be surprised. So Baylor, Texas, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State all have the same over under at eight and a half wins. So interesting. Um, I think you know Vegas, Fanduel. I, I don't think that they necessarily know what to make mm-hmm. uh, of to the top of the conference either.
2: Yeah, and just real quick, so I, I think this is interesting. Um, I looked at the the top Big Twelve quarterbacks on uh, Pro Football Focus last. Uh, year in the big 12 so there were 12 quarterbacks in the big 12 that received like a they, you know they passed the snap minimum which i'm sure is like 40 percent of the snaps or something like that um i think this is really interesting so number this is kind of in order from the best pff grade down number one is caleb williams he's gone to usc number two spencer rattler he's gone to usc also south carolina spencer sanders is number three he's coming back you got four skylar thompson he's in the nfl bohannon is number five, South. he went to South Florida. Six, Henry Columbia He went to Marshall. Seven, Brock Purdy to the NFL. Eight, Casey Thompson to Nebraska. Nine, you got Max Duggan. He may or may not even be the starter this year. Ten, you have Donovan Smith. He may or may not be the starter at Texas Tech. Eleven, you got Deggy, He's gone to Western Kentucky. And twelve, you got Jason Bean, Kansas. I don't think he's starting. Yeah. There legitimately could be one starter returning in the Big 12 it's pretty crazy.
1: Yep. Yep. Kind of speaks to what we were saying, man. It, it, it feels like, uh, I mean, the top has come back to the pack. Kansas is kind of caught up. It's, it's, it just feels, it feels wide open as wide open as it's been since we've, since we've been in the conference, I think.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It is. It is wide open. It feels like, um, so it's exciting. And yeah, if there's ever a year to build on all this recruiting and everything that West Virginia has been selling recruits, like let's go stick our foot in the ground and, you know, if we're kind of evolving into this new Big 12 era. So, um, yeah, somebody somebody can take a step. It could be us. It could be Kansas State. Baylor could assert themselves. You know, that it, it's going to be like there are going to be teams in play, and uh, I think it's going to be a really great season. Yeah, um, man. So moving into now a little talk on Big 12 postseason awards. Jordan, um, I'm going to let you handle this one, but basically just kind of running through what uh, some predictions are for some of the big awards in the Big 12.
1: Yeah, man. Um, and, and so we're going to we're going to start with uh, with offensive player of the year. And, and uh, as you kind of alluded to, it's a, it's light on quarterbacks, uh, surprisingly, right? Like, I think a lot of the time you think of offensive player of the year, it's, it's there's going to be quarterbacks in the conversation. I think the only one that I really see, like you said, Spencer Sanders, you know, if Oklahoma State goes out and wins 10 games again and, and Sanders is uh, good, you know, he can be a little bit merc- mercurial at times, but but definitely has his highs. Um, you know, if he can be a little bit more consistent, they go out and put a, put another good season together, you know, he's going to be in the conversation. Um, I think, uh, another one to, to watch, uh, Xavier Hutchinson, um, you know, just a guy who, who has a a super high volume of targets. I think last year he ended up with 83 catches for, for 990 yards, five touchdowns, um, put together a really good PFF grade. I think he had an 83.8, which, which, um, you know, if you if you look at the PFF numbers, if you subscribe to him, which I think we both do, um, anything over 70 is good. Anything over 80 is is, you know, you you kick you kicked ass. Um, so so he's a really good player. And um, if you look at who they have coming back, uh, not not a ton out wide, um, there's going to be targets available if Hunter deckers can get him the ball. Um, so, you know, he could be a guy who sees, you know, 120, 130 targets this year, catches hundred passes. And and if Iowa state wins seven, eight games and, and surprises, then, you know, maybe he's in the conversation. Um, I think Xavier worthy wide receiver from Texas, uh, broke out as a true freshman last year, had, had 62 catches, 981 yards, 12 touchdowns, um, super big play threat. I think he put up an 80.3 PFF grade. Um, but another guy who was, who was very high volume last year. Now, the one thing with him. Is is like you mentioned, uh, you know, they they big influx of of transfer talent, um, particularly at the wide receiver position. You know, Tariq Milton from Iowa State's there now. Uh, Adji Hall from Alabama there now. Uh, Isaiah Nair from from uh, Montana is there now. Um, so maybe not as um, empty as it was last year, you know, he might be, he might be fighting uh, for targets a little bit more than he was last year, but in terms of pure talent, I, you know, there's, there's not a better receiver in the conference than that guy. And so Quinn Ewers comes in and starts just slinging the thing around, you know, he's a guy who's definitely going to benefit from that. Um, I think, uh, you know, the, the one running back who we, we, well, one of the running backs we definitely need to talk about Deuce Vaughn, Kansas state. Um, like we, like we said, that the guy's just amazing. You know, he, he does everything um, five foot seven, but just kind of survives a ridiculously high workload. Last year, he had 234 attempts for 409 yards, 18 touchdowns, uh, and then 50 catches or 49 catches for 468 yards and four more touchdowns. Um, average three yards after contact at, at five, seven, 180 pounds or whatever, um, 50 missed tackles. The guy's just really fun to watch, um, can hurt you in a lot of ways. Uh, I think one of the more underrated skill guys, uh, in the conference that, well, probably not even in the conference, but definitely in the country. Um, I think he's a really good player. I really like watching him play. Um, and then for me, the, 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 the far and away the front runner uh, has to be Bijan John Robinson, um, the running back from Texas. Um, yeah. He's just one of those guys you, you can watch uh, just one snap and it's clear. It's just like, what the hell is this guy doing playing college football? You know what I mean? It's, it's like, he kind of reminds me, and I know Leonard Fournette has, had his ups and downs in the NFL. But like when you watch him at LSU, it was just like, holy shit, like people can't even tackle this guy. You know what I mean? Um, so Bijan's
2: like Derrick Henry. Yeah, yeah, right. Just like just, the defender.
1: Yeah, there's some of those guys where you're just like, Jesus, this isn't just isn't even fair. It's like watching one of the five star guys play against high school kids, right? Like it's not mm. quite that bad, but um, you know, I think I like I still just distinctly remember my first B. John Robinson snap. It was like early that freshman year. And he just took a stretch play and stiff armed three straight guys to the ground and got the corner and got like six yards when he should have lost like two. And it was just like, Oh my God. Like, you know, we, we, we don't get guys. We don't get guys like that. Like we get, we get good running backs, but we don't get guys like that. Um, But he had 195 uh, attempts last year, 11, 27 yards, 11 touchdowns, 26 catches, 293 yards, forced 86 missed tackles uh, combined, which, is outrageous, almost four yards after contact um, <laughs> on an average, which is ridiculous. Um, so for me, you know, I think with the skill that they have coming at Texas, um, even with all the skill coming, even with Quinn Ewers coming, um, you know, he's the he's the focal point of that offense. If they're as good as they're as they as they could be this year, um, and I just think, you know, he has to be the front runner. If if he goes out and puts up a big season, and Texas wins eight nine games. I don't see. I don't see how he doesn't win it or at least be, you know, one of the two or three guys considered.
2: But yeah, and I th- I think with a with a young quarterback, you're probably gonna rely on the running game more. Yeah. Um you, you know, I, I think Bajan's definitely the the favorite. I I'd say of that group, I'm rooting for Deuce Vaughn because who doesn't love a, a five seven little guy bouncing around? Like there are plays where he has the ball and no one sees him. Um, yeah. but he's super tough Um, very shifty and uh yeah i i definitely i would be very surprised if a quarterback wins this award this year um Mm -hmm. is is my main takeaway um but yeah i think uh robinson from texas is is a man among boys in uh in this group all righty let's move
1: on uh to to defensive player of the year um a little bit a little bit tricky to do this one as well um I think we've kind of we've kind of touched on it a little bit, but there was a lot of high-profile uh, defenders in the Big 12 last year who who have moved on to greener, the greener pastures of the NFL. Um, so I think if you're looking at defensive player of the year, uh, the place that I'd start, uh, which is cool for West Virginia fans, I think you have to throw Dante Stills in the mix. Um, we saw we saw Darius uh, a couple years back, kind of blow up, uh, win the award. Um as a senior, and I think Dante, you know, will be will be coming out. And you know, we got Pitt, we got Virginia Tech. Um, you know, he came back for a sixth season for a reason, right? Like the guy, the guy clearly has some unfinished business. Um, and so I think you have to look at him where if our defense is is good this year, he's gonna play a huge part in it. Um then I think you have to look at uh <laughs> Saiki Ika, <laughs> uh the the defensive tackle from Baylor. Um, dude is huge, came in last year, uh, from LSU, followed a randover from LSU. Um, won the defensive newcomer of the word, uh, last year in the big 12, uh, he's back. Um, and he's another one, you know, you look at it, if Baylor's going to be good this year, it's going to be because of him, right? Like he's going to be just sitting there in the middle, chewing up blockers. Nobody's going to run up the middle on him. Uh, he's, you know, looking at him to, to have a monster season. Um, I think that the next two, couple of edge guys who I think won uh, defense, they, I think they shared defensive lineman of the year in the Big 12 last year but but Felix Anadike Uzuma uh, from Kansas State, Will McDonald from Iowa State, a uh, couple of edge guys who are just super disruptive off the edge um, and I think you know we've seen over the last decade that that those edge rushers, when you when you have a really good one, there's really there's probably not a more valuable position or not a more, more valuable piece on the defense than, than an elite edge rusher um, so definitely have my eye on both of those guys um, and then a final one just because it felt wrong not to have uh, anybody from Iowa State or sorry Oklahoma State um, put Brock Martin on there he was he was first team all conference last year. he's back again uh, as a as a defensive end uh, as well and I think just the way that that defense plays, you know it's 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 all about turning the heat up on people forcing pressure causing havoc uh, and he's he's you know he's one of the the ringleaders. So I think you got to have somebody like that on there.
2: Yeah, no, that's a great list. I, I like the the points about stills, you know, having an unfinished business. Um, I really like the the guy out of Baylor. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his name right either, but Siaki. Um, yeah, this dude's enormous, 350 pounds. Um, six four, yeah, 6'4", <laughs> yeah, last year, um, 33 pressures, Twenty four hurries, three hits, six sacks. Um, and the dude just clogs up the middle. As
1: an interior lineman too, right? Like exactly. you'll you see that kind of stuff from interior linemen.
2: Exactly. Like he just clogs up the center, but um he can he can break through as well. So um, he's my pick for the defensive player of the year.
1: You know, if I was going to throw, I meant to put his name on here. Um, I didn't, but if I was going to throw a dark horse out there, I'd I'd say somebody like Kenny Logan from Kansas, where, you know, Kansas probably isn't going to be good enough for, for one of their guys to be considered for player of the year. Um, But super big presence as a safety, right? One of those dudes who's, who's making plays at all three levels of the field um, sideline to sideline. He's been there for, I mean, I think, you know, he's, he started for them since he was a freshman, maybe, maybe since he was a sophomore, but he's a guy, he's in his last year. Um, so you know, if you're looking for a dark horse, maybe somebody like that would be would be fun to root for. Um, okay, yeah. So let's let's get into uh, the offensive newcomer or the newcomers of the year. Start with offense, and and here's where um, here's where you're going to find your quarterbacks, right? Where you know we have we have Spencer Sanders coming back, but we have a whole lot of really good dudes coming in who are figuring to play a lot of minutes for teams that probably are going to be good, right? So I think the first one you look at. Um, Quinn Ewers of Texas, uh, you know, we've, we've kind of feel like we spent enough time on Texas, <laughs> but they have, they have a ton of weapons and he's one of those dudes when you watch them throw football, it just, it looks like that's what he was born to do. Um, and so, you know, if that all comes together, everything's in place for him to put up monster numbers. Um, Dylan Gabriel, I think is, you know, maybe a little bit of a, you know, like we said, he's, he's probably the worst guy that they've had there in the last eight years, maybe, um, but still a really good player, really good offensive line, really good skilled dudes around him. And, and so, you know, the best version of Dylan Gabriel this year is definitely good enough to win, um, win newcomer of the year. Um, Adrian Martinez, same same kind of thing. Um, just just perfect fit for what Kansas State wants to do. Has a perfect complement in Duce Vaughn. Has some good weapons outside. Um, you know, so, so possible that he blows up. And then I think the last guy is obviously uh, JT Daniels. And I think, you know, that's the homer in me. Um, but I think he's, you know, he's as well positioned as anybody, uh, because it's, it's a situation where we're talking, you know, dangerous if, if things go right. Um, and he's one of the things that have to go right. Right. So like, if we blow up, if we win, if we win nine games this year and he's a catalyst, I don't see that, you know, how he's not, uh, one of the, one of the two or three guys, um, at the end of the year.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, this, this list is, you know, four quarterbacks, um, You have two coming from a power five, one from UCF, which is essentially a power five, and then uh, the number one recruit in the country. So solid list. I'm, you know, my eyes immediately, you know, JT Daniels is going to win this and it's not even going to be close, but if he doesn't, (laughs) um, Adrian Martinez with Deuce Vaughn, that combo intrigues me. Quinn Ewers with Bijan Robinson, that intrigues me because, you know, what helps a quarterback is like a strong running game, a running back that people are afraid of, um, my pick is Quinn Ewers from Texas because I think Bijan Robinson is going to attract so much attention. Um, and he's got, he's got weapons like Xavier worthy. He's got dudes. He can get the ball to. Um Man, Texas is really good on paper, but like you know, they <laughs> always are.
1: God, I, I hate it, man. That's what I just Thanks. like. All I've been thinking <laughs> for the last like two weeks when we've been like talking about this stuff and researching this stuff is just like, Jesus, these guys are so good on paper, but we beat them last year. We're going to beat them in this year. So, Oh, definitely. Um, okay so next is uh defensive newcomer of the year um i think uh you know what you have to look at here we we kind of talked about it in the uh tiers a little bit but ton of turnover of high profile defenders right so there's there's some guys coming back into uh positions here as newcomers who are who are going to have opportunities and and you might almost say teams need them to to step in and pick up a lot of production from the guys who who have vacated their spots. Um so, you know, I think obviously being a WV fan, the first guy that that kind of drew my attention there is is Lee Kogba, right? Where you you know, he's coming in, he's going to step into the Mike linebacker role for for Josh Chandler Samedo. Um he's playing behind a really good defensive line. Um and you know, I actually I think he has a higher ceiling uh, than Chandler Samedo does. You know, I I, I kind of you know, he he reminded me of 62 Carl Joseph coming out of high school. He still reminds me of 6'2 Carl Joseph now. I love everything that I read about him. You know, I I, I think I like him more than any player who's who's never played a snap for us. Um, I'm all the way in on Lee Kogba. Um, and so, you know, I think that if our defense is good this year, uh, you know, I think he kind of has like that Tony Fields impact uh, of a couple years ago when Tony Fields won the Defensive Newcomer of the Year Award where, you know, he's 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 the guy who's who's out there um you know, instilling a little bit of fear into people, right. Playing sideline to sideline, big hits, a lot of, a lot of attitude, a lot of toughness. Um, so, you know, I think he's, he's as well suited as anybody uh, to, to step into a premier role and, and really elevate the team that he's on. Um, next guy that I like is uh, I think he's, if you go by a star rating, he's the highest rated transfer. Um, so Jackson player, uh guy, guy going to Baylor. I think he's coming from Tulsa. Um, put up an 87 PFF rating last year. He's an interior defensive lineman. So he'll be lining up right there next to Siaki uh, Ika. And and I think with the two of those guys, they're just going to be just an absolute pain in the ass to, to try and run the ball against. Um, but, you know, he, he he's a guy, again, Again, it's at Tulsa, so a little bit lower level competition. But if he comes in and kind of keeps up the level of play that he's shown, um, especially on a Baylor defense that that is kind of in need of playmakers, um, I think you know he he has a good chance to to make some noise, maybe get some postseason recognition. Um, another guy who's kind of similar to Lee Kogba is, is Colby Reader. Uh, I think he's a transfer from Delaware, but he's stepping in at Iowa State. Obviously, they lost Jay Kummel, um, Mike Rose, two really productive linebackers for them over the last couple of years. So they're going to be looking for somebody to step in and and be the guy who they kind of funnel the ball to and the guy who makes the plays. Um, so you know he's a guy who could come in and put up a hundred plus tackles on a, on a good defense. Um, and then I think uh, the, the last one who really caught my eye uh, was Jeffrey Johnson, a uh, four-star transfer uh, coming into Oklahoma. Um, but he's a guy who's going to step in uh, for Perry on Winfrey, who's now in the, in the uh, NFL. Um, obviously Winfrey was a, was a high impact player. I think he had about 30 pressures last year. He was a guy who was, who was really good for them for a couple years. Um, and so, you know, I think Venables loves for his defensive line to kind of, you know, do a lot of the dirty work. Um, I know at Clemson, like, you know, they weren't a team that uh, you know, they blitz every now and then, but you know, a lot of their, a lot of their disruptiveness comes from the defensive line. So he's a guy who, you know, if if he comes in and Oklahoma's defense is good right away with Venables, he's going to be uh, a big part of it, especially with, you know, as much as they lost up front. So um, I think those are kind of the four. And again, I, you know, I think Kogba, why? Why not Koba? He's he's in as good a spot of as anybody to, to to uh, make a big impact this year.
2: Yeah, I like uh, Kogba as well. I think you know with Josh Chandler Sumido leaving, um, which was our leading tackler last year, I think that he's poised to to step into a role and you know make the impact, if not a bigger impact than Josh Chandler Sumido did last year. Um, so yeah, and everything. In any West Virginia outlet recently, I it's ridiculously high on this guy. Like I am so excited to see him play Dude, in Golden Blue because um, only heard good things. This guy sounds like an animal. So um, yeah, really excited to see him play. Yep. All righty. Well, um, I don't think that
1: I'm uh, in the weeds enough to to get into predicting offensive freshman of year, the defensive freshman of the year. Um, but if we want to, let's get into uh, to coach of the year. Um, so, you know, as you mentioned, um, couple, couple new guys coming in, uh, so you have Venables, um, you know, who, who's obviously stepping into a hope, high profile job, um, chance to make an impact. Um, you have a guy like Aranda who, uh, obviously did a, did a fantastic job last year, probably should have won it. Um, guy like Matt Campbell, who's won it before and, you know, kind of underwhelmed last year. Do, Do they... You know, do they have a big comeback season with maybe a team that you wouldn't expect to be as good? And he's kind of, kind of comes in the back door and, and wins the award. Uh, Mike Gundy's always there. I know. Um, you know, you got a, you got a couple of guys who are kind of um, not quite on the hot seat, but could be on the hot seat. You know, obviously Neil Brown's one of them. Um, so yeah, I, I think kind of kind of wide open. What do you uh, what are you seeing here? Do you do you have anybody who you who you think uh, stands out? Any favorites?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think, first of all, coach, coach of the year is pretty dependent on wins. Like, if Kansas wins three games, I don't think Leopold wins the coach of the year. Um, but if you if you look at sort of the, the top couple teams that we think are going to be, um, you know, at least competing for the title, I, I really like the turnaround of if Baylor, you know, can hold a similar level, maybe if they don't even make it back to Arlington. But if they're they're right there in the top three or four, um, with a lot of turnover, I think Aranda should have won it last year. I could see if it's close that he he wins a legacy one this year. Um, yeah. So I think Aranda. I think similarly, though Campbell. You know, if everyone's expectations, I think, are a lot lower, and if if that team comes out and wins nine games or something, um, you'd have to point to coaching because you lose. I think Iowa State's like the second lowest returning production in the country. So um, I, I think that. Uh, those are my two favorites. Like, you know, can, can a coach at Texas even win the award when you have that much talent? You know, I, I think it's a little bit scenario driven. So those are, those are my two favorites, but I'm going to, I'm going to lean with Aranda.
1: Yeah. You know, if, if Texas is actually quote unquote back, you know, if Texas comes out and wins 11 games and wins the big 12, um, they, they might, they might give it to him, uh, to, to Sarkeesian, but, uh, you know, I, I think, I think you're right on. I think Aranda, like if, if Baylor loses everybody that they lost and and still wins nine ten games this year, that's that's big. Um, we've seen Campbell do this before, you know, with teams. I think the 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 time that he won it right was probably Purdy's freshman year, and so you know he's done it with an unproven team before. Um, and then you know just to be the homer, like hey Neil Brown, Neil Brown comes out. Um Lost Letty Brown, new quarterback, new offensive coordinator, new secondary. West Virginia goes, you know, fourteen and one. Um, you know, I think he'd probably he'd probably be in the conversation at that point. But no, I think I think I think you're right on. I mean, if it, if it's not Aranda or Campbell, it's because Texas uh, you know, went eleven and one um and they gave it to Sarkeesian.
2: Yeah, I mean I think that's a There are several candidates here. I mean, a lot of it's just based on on the wins you get. But Neil Brown, as positioned as anyone, you know, you make a two or three win leap and you compete. You know, if Oklahoma and Texas are the two teams in the title game and you finish third, like, I feel like Brown could be in just as good of a position as anyone for that one. So for sure. Cool. All right. Does that wrap us? That's pretty much it. Yeah. So, you know, as we get closer to the season, we're going to be putting out some more episodes um, a little bit more in-depth breakdowns of individual teams. So maybe pick a few teams per episode, um, and just sort of run through some of the big changes. I think with the transfer portal era, um, you know, it's not just recruits rolling through, there are departures and arrivals, um, and, you know, especially during the offseason, you can kind of lose a hold on, on what teams are going to be looking like. So, um, probably do some sort of deep dive, uh, of the big 12 and I assume we'll probably do something of like Virginia tech and Pitt. also just some, some preparation work. Um, we'll also do some, some betting futures and probably make some picks as we get a little bit closer. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's all I have. You have anything else, Jordan? No, nah, man, looking, looking forward to, to, rolling the sleeves
1: up and, and, and diving into these teams, uh, for real, man. Um, and yeah, like you said, Pitt, Virginia tech, uh, yeah no i'm I'm ready to roll this is, this has been a,
2: a good little kickoff for me so yeah juices are flowing definitely awesome well thanks everybody for listening and uh, we'll see you next time all right guys yeah take care one two